Welcome to the Limitless CEO Strategy Sessions with your host, Andrew Alexander, where we bring you real-world business, sales, and marketing strategies to help you start and grow your business faster. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Limitless CEO Strategy Sessions. My name is Andrew Alexander, and we're here to share with you real-world, experience-based, practical strategies that you could put to use in your business today to help you start and grow your business faster. In today's episode, I'm really excited to talk about leadership and 10 different leadership principles to help make the most of managing your organization. And the reason why this is so meaningful for me right now is because for the first decade of my experience being an entrepreneur, I've mostly been a solopreneur where I've built a digital magazine publishing company from zero to 1.3 million readers, which included tens of thousands of paying subscribers by solely working with myself and using technology and systems to really scale that business fast. And I started other businesses where I was the one going hands-on with the smaller tasks. So if we use the model of a billion-dollar company where there's the CEO at the top, then all the way at the bottom, there's the customer service agents, the people manufacturing the products, the people writing the sales copy, people writing the email marketing, people writing the articles, you could see in a larger organization where you could see that is the corporate structure where the CEO could focus on the multi-million dollar deals. So in my previous businesses, for the most part, I was the one doing the smaller task. I was responding to customer service emails, writing email marketing campaigns, adjusting the sales copy on the website, coding the website, coding the apps, and doing all the smaller things which prevented me from growing my business into that larger organization. So one of my friends, Kyle Keegan, started the Kill Bigger radio show where one of his episodes really inspired me because I'm making the transition. I've worked with teams before. I worked under the management of other people when I was an employee and as the solopreneur, where he said, if you want to act like a CEO, as opposed to getting caught up in the weeds with a smaller task. So instead of trying to work your way up the corporate ladder in your own organization, starting small, what if you start at the top and you manage other people to do the work for you? So after listening to that episode, I really went out and I have three different people in one different agency that's really starting from the ground up where I'm managing them from the very beginning. So I have two people writing articles. One of them is doing SEO. The other one is a health coach. That's for my health website. Some person is a computer programmer and other people are editing different videos and things like that. So it's starting off on a freelance basis, but it really got me thinking because one of the article writers for the weekly task that I signed to her, I said, you could either do this or you could do this one instead. And her response back was, okay, let me know which one you want me to do. So one of the topics I'm going to talk about is decisiveness, where in that moment, if I'm not the leader of the organization and there's no leader around, things could spin in circles for a while. So the analogy is you're standing at the edge of the hiking trail in the forest and you're a group of people and nobody's stepping up as a leader. You'll be standing at the trailhead and you won't be moving forward with your vision because if you don't lead, nobody else will do it for you. So in that instance, I realized I had to be decisive and I said, okay, this week you do this one and next week you'll do the next one where it seems like a small example, but by being able to make small decisions like that, it works up to the bigger ones. And we'll talk about that in the upcoming topics of this episode. And to jump right in, the first leadership principle I wanna talk about is being able to have an inspiring vision that people could rally around. So if you look at Elon Musk with his vision for SpaceX, he wants to turn humans into an interplanetary species by colonizing Mars. So that right there, that is the grand vision. It's so out there, outside of our normal scope of reality, 
that people really rally around it. So by being able to create mock-up demo videos and really talking about it and really making sure people believe that it's real and that's possible, that's the inspiring part. So from my personal example outside of Elon Musk, where it's starting off as SpaceX, where he delivers satellites and astronauts to space through his rocket ship company, that's the part that makes it believable, as well as his billionaire status, which a lot of people look up to. But my personal example with two other companies I'm involved in, number one, I'm an investor in Vegan Fine Foods, which is an all-vegan supermarket franchise in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So it started off as just one location, then Steve Smith, the founder, he made a video talking about his expansion plans to introduce private label products, but more importantly, to have hundreds of vegan franchises all across North America and potentially span across different continents around the globe. So his vision about wanting to go public and his vision about 100 vegan franchises, that's the inspiring part for me where I could actually visualize it. It's something people could get around. And the part where it makes it real is because I know the vegan market is expanding rapidly and it's something that's really needed. So the two parts of the vision is making it real, making sure that people clearly see it. And that's really got me investing in his company at an early stage. And the second part is I'm a co-owner of VegReady, where I've been working for equity for the past two years through my consulting services or through my contracting services at Limitless CEO, where I helped Mark, the founder, where I met him at a business meetup group in 2017. He's walking around with a box of ready-to-eat vegan meals that require no cooking, no heating, no refrigeration, no added chemical preservatives, and it stays fresh at room temperature, similar to a jar of pasta sauce. So his vision was to help 2 million meat-eating Americans eat two or more plant-based meals each week to improve people's health. So when we spoke with media partners, we recruited other people's talent, and we worked with other people in the industry. That inspiring vision was really what people rallied around and really built the momentum of the company brand. But on the flip side of that, he retracted a lot of team members across the years. So there's about six people that worked with us, and then a lot of outside vendors when I was with the company. And then he attracted three more new employees to take over as myself and another co-owner decided to exit and focus on our own ventures. So the part that made that real and inspired the recruitment efforts was he is one board member who is a board of advisors for Ben and Jerry's for 18 years, helped broker their deal for I think it was 200 or 300 million dollars to sell Ben and Jerry's to Unilever, another board of advisors who took three companies public before. So when he approached me saying I could work with him, help him start the business, he had people who've done this before. So I know my equity in the company would be in good hands in the future. So that inspiring vision right there is what attracted a lot of talent across the years and really got that brand into the business. So whether it's vegan fine foods, veg ready, or Elon Musk colonizing Mars, think about you and your business. How could you tell an inspiring vision that people could rally around, that people could visualize in their minds, have an emotional appeal, and is also believable that you could achieve it. So think about how you could apply that for you and your business. So number one, inspiring vision, write that down if you can. The second leadership principle that I feel is very important is organization and being able to break down tasks from the larger vision and the end goals into the individual components. So in NLP, we call this the hierarchy of ideas. So for example, when I publish a book, there's the finished product, which is the vision and the outcome. Within that, it breaks down in different branches where there's the cover design, the spine, and the back cover design, the text on there. There's the 13 different chapters. I choose each topic. 
then there's hiring a copywriter, an editor, then formatting it all together. So those things are right there are how I break the bigger vision into individual tasks. So as a leader, I wanna make sure that when I assign people to do work, all the puzzle pieces tie together. So if you view it as a jigsaw puzzle, you wanna be able to see the bigger picture, see how all the pieces fit, then accurately be able to assign each one of them. So having just a vision in itself without being properly organized really makes the company inefficient. And it starts as you as a leader being an organized person yourself. So there's different websites. There's Asana, there's Monday.com, there's Trello, and there's different organizational tools where you could find larger tasks and break it down to each component. And that right there is my method of being organized. I get the larger picture, I break it down into subdivisions, subtasks, then break it down to each individual element. Then I put that in Asana, then I could assign that to each person where they do the work, they update the report on it. So I'm the control panel, see it how it ties together. So organization is the number two. Number three I wanna talk about is motivation and accountability. Where there's a thing, the psychological principle, I went to a seminar, it was being presented in a university in South America, I was traveling through there, and the person said, autonomy is a very big motivator in people, where there's different levels of this, where if you are a micromanager and you have to have control over every single element to something, if you're working with a creative marketing director, it's gonna take away that autonomy, it'll lack motivation, and so much restriction in certain roles, will take away from the effectiveness and it will lead to higher company turnover. So that's something I wanna talk about first, but in general, my principles for motivation and staying accountable as a solopreneur is 2013, I went into an entrepreneur house with two other aspiring entrepreneurs and we wrote each other a check for $100 each day saying by the end of the day today, I have to finish this task or else you get to cash it. So that immediate pain for not taking action is really what drove us to build our first successful businesses. Then on the flip side of that, there's rewards. So there was, I believe, Planet Fitness when I was in college. Every Monday at 5 p.m., they ordered 20 pizza pies, and you go for your workout, and as you're exiting the door, you're rewarded with a slice of pizza. Probably not the best idea for going to the gym, but it actually got more people to show up on Mondays because they experienced that immediate reward for taking action. So rewards, gamifying the system, and then really having some type of recognition and good feelings when they complete tasks. That's a great way to reward people along the way. So I'm not sure exactly from my personal experience how to work the punishments that we did as solopreneurs into managing other people, but having clear accountability and taking those tasks and breaking it down into specific deadlines and finding a way to make sure those deadlines are reached where you might have to push a little bit of pressure, but it's a fine balance. It's not a science. It's so much of an art where you want to find the right amount to keep people accountable, but not taking away the autonomy, the restriction, or creating a toxic work culture in the process. And that's something you're going to learn over time. So that's number three, motivation and accountability. It starts with you as a leader being motivated yourself, keeping yourself accountable, or having a mastermind group keep you accountable through that $100 check method that I talked about. And that leads to number four, decisiveness, where the example I gave before is standing at the edge of a forest, a group of people with no leader. You want to be the leader who's decisive, saying we're going on this trail. And I'm going to talk about number seven, dealing with risk, failure, and adversity, where balancing risks helps you be more decisive. So you want to be decisive. And really, once you have the tasks, say this is what needs to get done, do it by a certain deadline. And you might have to make decisions that might lead to negative outcomes. 
but that's part of being the leader. So being decisive and clear with your instructions, you might be disorganized in your mind. I experienced this myself where I really didn't know what to assign them first because there's so much going on. But then when I took a step back saying, okay, this is one thing they could do. I don't think it's the best option, but I'm going to have them do it anyway because I think this needs to get done either way. So number four is decisiveness. How can you build that within yourself? Whether it's going to a restaurant and not asking which one is most popular, which one do you think I should get? Say, I would like this, but remove this ingredient and add an extra thing on the side. And being decisive and clear with your words, people might say no, but when you are really decisive and firm with your decision, it'll be a great skill to build up to the larger things. Number five is communication skills. So as I mentioned before being an entrepreneur, I've been an employee in many organizations. I've worked under great leaders. I've worked under bosses who are terrible leaders. And I remember back in college, I used to deliver pizza. And the leader of the company was a micromanager. He was a real jerk. And he really kept a strict watch where you had to do things very specifically or his temper, his frustration would come out. And in general, the company had a high turnover of employees. People would leave after being there just a couple weeks because his communication skills were really hard on people and it's not a safe and secure place for people to work in. So being a great leader, it comes down to empathy, having the right managing style for different types, where if you have a customer service agent or you run an organization with lots of customer service reps, you might have to have more strict protocols and more of a micromanaging type of style versus communicating with a creative marketing director. So you want to be able to communicate effectively, have listening skills, and really treat people with empathy where I have people where they do tasks for me. They're not always done by the deadlines. And I'm flexible with that because it's not important things. And I understand life situations come up where there's a fine balance where you don't want to let things slide too far. But at the same time, if you drill down and really take away the autonomy from people, not being able to communicate effectively and really give them a positive work environment will push them away. So that's something that we want to balance as well. And building on that is a more advanced topic. I created a course called The Psychology Behind the Sale. This is from my neuro-linguistic programming training where communication effectively. So for example, if I'm trying to sell somebody on a diet pill, it's a three-part storytelling sequence. If I address them directly, their ego comes up. It's the guard to the decision-making part of the brain. So instead of saying, you should take this pill to lose weight, I could say, yeah, one of my friends, she was struggling to lose weight. She tried to read all the books. She struggled with willpower. Then she took the miracle diet pill. And not only did she lose 10 pounds within the first month, but she kept it off ever since. So number one is taking the point of reference off the person you're communicating with onto a third-party character that puts the guard down. It's subconscious influence. Then you pace their situation saying they tried to lose weight, they tried to go to the gym, they lost willpower, they read lots of books, whatever the situation is you're communicating with. Then there's the call to action, which that example is a diet pill. Then the successful outcome, which was losing weight and keeping it off. So whatever the content of your person you're communicating with is, the structure is the same. Pace the situation on a third-party character, have the call to action, what the person did, then the successful outcome, this slips the message in the subconscious. So there's many books, many courses you could take on communication skills. So that's something I'm very passionate about. Number six is confidence. So imagine standing on the edge of a hiking trail. You're in South America. You're about to go to the Amazonian rainforest. There's dangerous creatures. There's unsafe environments. There could be rainstorms, floods, and all these different things where it's a dangerous scenario. What type of person 
would you want leading you on this expedition? Would you want someone who's not displaying confidence? Or would you want that bold leader who's willing to take risks, but has a level of confidence, certainty, and the character traits of somebody you'd want to follow into the scenario? So going back to the inspiring company vision, where I invested in vegan fine foods, and it's really about following the leadership of Stephen Smith and him carrying his vision, because if I didn't believe in his ability to lead the company and the character traits he possessed, he wouldn't inspire employees, customers, and other people around him to follow him as well. So when I saw him on video, I just got the sense of somebody who's willing to commit from start to finish. He's not going to give up an adversity. He understands that there are risk involved, but he knows how to lead someone and lead himself into this with the confidence and the belief that it could move forward. So how could you have that level of confidence within yourself moving forward so other people could sense the confidence within you and move forward with the process? So with myself, I'm very confident with my ability to build a business. And it really starts with your own personal development because before this, I used to doubt myself. I didn't even think I could build a business. I would see people on the internet having lifestyle types of businesses, traveling the world with a laptop and interconnection, making lots of money on the internet. But at that point, I was broke, unemployed with my parents. I doubted myself all the time. And it wasn't until I built my digital magazine publishing company my other businesses. I've traveled the world to over 12 different countries, four different continents. I've made as much as $6,000 in sales in a single day with my own personal business. With other companies that I worked with team members on, we did much greater months and much greater years with business. So it's from my past experience that I have the underlying belief that my success and the success of my business is inevitable. So I know there will be obstacles across the way, but just like with all the businesses I built in the past, Whatever I set a goal for myself for, I achieve it. It might take a little bit longer, it might be harder than expected, but it's that underlying confidence, not so much in my mind, but in my emotions where I don't have any doubt for my ability to succeed that I feel radiates with other people. So first develop it within yourself. Look at your past experience where maybe you didn't know how to do something such as tying a shoe, riding a bike, or something else that you know how to do now. So building the confidence within yourself People radiate that, and you want to be that confident leader that goes out in the world where other people will be inspired to follow. Number seven builds into this, dealing with the risk, failure, and adversity. As I mentioned earlier, to be the leader, you have to be decisive. People have to be confident to follow you. And this applies to taking risks with your business because if you stay where you are in your comfort zone, you won't take any risks and you won't grow because of it. So the strategies I like to use when I take risks in my life are threefold, where it's a pendulum, where in the beginning, I used to be very risk adverse. So I'd stay in my comfort zone, I wouldn't get results, I'd be scared to do things. So to counteract that, I was really risk taking in the years after that. So I drove across the country with $250 to my name uh, to have lunch with a millionaire I met on the internet right before I built my first business. So that risk paid off. Then I backpacked through Europe for three months by myself, where I faced a lot of dangerous situations because I flew into a country without knowing what hostel I'd stay at that night, and I found myself in really sketchy situations that made me reconsider what is the appropriate amount of risk-taking in my life. So that's my personal life. But what I like to follow is based on a stop-loss strategy in the stock market, as they call it. So that's if you buy a stock, and if a stock goes below a certain level, it automatically sells off to mitigate your risk. 
So what I'd like to do is number one, I'd like to focus on the upside. What is the best case scenario that will happen if I take this action? I clearly visualize that. Then I look at the worst case fear. What happens if I do this and I fail? I set that stop loss. Then I make the decision to move forward with the risk if it's an appropriate risk. So that's taking a calculated risk right there. So being able to take risks in your life is a really key feature that you want to work out with yourself. That's a strategy I follow. It works for me. It might not work for you. Then there's failure and adversity where there are things that are going to go wrong during the process. There's short-term failures. So if you make a cold call, if you're a salesperson just starting out and you get rejected five times in a row, you could review that as a failure. Where on the flip side of that is if you make 100 cold calls after that and you take that risk, you move through the adversity, you might get someone to say yes to a really big deal on number 38. So that right there is something you want to balance where being able to deal with risk appropriately, expecting failure, knowing how to navigate through failure and adversity. And a lot of that is mainly learned through experience. But the main thing is stepping out of your comfort zone and being able to be that leader that's not scared of those things, but at the same time approaches it with common sense and is not reckless in the process. Number eight and nine are tied together where it's your professional development, where before I started my current business and after I started my first business, I started a personal development company. I got trained and certified as an NLP practitioner, which stands for neuro-linguistic programming. I studied hypnosis. I got my master practitioner training in 2015, and I worked with hundreds of clients really diving in the deepest part of their subconscious minds to rewire bad habits, balance their emotions, and transform into the best version of themselves so they're able to be confident leaders in the world. So through my professional development is really largely relying on neuro-linguistic programming, and it's basically getting your shit together in order. So what you want to do is really understand what are the goals I have in my life? What habits do I have that are getting in the way of that? So let's say you want to eat healthier, but you're constantly eating junk food, where I trace it through my NLP to the root cause of boredom. So if I'm working, I have nothing to do on my computer, I get bored, I go to the refrigerator and I eat to cover it up. So that's something that stems from understanding how to identify habits. So as a leader, you really want to become the best version of yourself. And this comes with personal development, where a lot of people in the personal development world they lack the motivation, they lack the action taking, and it's so much with the inner game that they focus on taking action on the outside. So it's ideally a mix of both with 95 or more percent of taking action and the practical skills, but working with a certified professional coach or somebody with experience to do it for you, or really spending a couple percentage points of your time to really work on your habits and getting into personal development. There's lots of books out there, and this is something that I specialized in. So I really go to myself for this. And if I need a second opinion, I go to other people I trained with to do the work on me. So that's the professional development at the basic level. Number nine is really getting deeper with your beliefs, your values, and your sense of identity. So for example, if you think all salespeople are sleazy, that belief is like a magnetic force field that prevents you from making the sales calls. If you think all wealthy people are greedy, you're going to self-sabotage yourself and not really take the actions that you need. So there's different subconscious techniques to get through limiting beliefs. One of them is called the timeline release technique, where I imagine floating up on my timeline, floating above my head, focusing on a specific limiting belief. I float all the way back into the past, visualizing whatever scene or picture comes to my imagination. What is the root cause for my early years that stemmed this belief? So I hover above that scene. I take away the positive lessons and learnings I could take away from it. 
And then such as my parents might have installed the belief or my teachers installing the belief that all rich people were greedy, where I could redefine that belief that they grew up from a specific mindset of being an employee. They don't understand that the more you give, the more you receive. Then floating back even further in time, about three days before that event, I dropped down into my body, looking through my own eyes, seeing, hearing, and feeling as if that's happening now. I hold on to the emotional state. I float up on my timeline, and I float forward, sprinkling those positive emotions, positive lessons, all the way in my timeline to the present moment and into the definite future, and I come back to the present moment, and that limiting belief is gone. There's something else called a limiting belief change script I teach in NLP, where you bring up a picture in your mind representing a limiting belief. So all rich people are greedy. I see the picture in my mind. Then I ask myself specific questions about that picture. Is it directly in front of me, to the left, to the right, or somewhere else? Large or small? How far away or close is it? Is it black and white or color, near or far? Is it moving or still? Is it dark or is it bright? And is it like a movie or a still frame? Is it framed or panoramic? Or do I see myself in the picture looking through my own eyes? And are there any sounds that are important from zero to 10? How intense are the sounds? What direction are they coming from? What direction are they moving? Any feelings that are important, the location of the feelings in my body specifically, and from zero to 10, how intense are they? Then I repeat that process for a belief that used to be true, but no longer is. So the belief that I live in New York, that is all the way behind me to the left, really far, 3,000 miles in the distance. It's really small, really far away. So what I do is I change the details of the first picture to be the same one as that one, leaving the content the same. I lock it in place. Then I find a belief that's absolutely true, like the sun will be in the sky tomorrow. That's really high above me. It's big. It's bright. Then I get a replacement belief, such as the more I give, the more I receive, or opportunities flow to me effortlessly. And I change those details of that picture to the one that's absolutely true. I lock it in place. And instantly my brain is rewired and the limiting belief is changed. So that right there, that's a quick introduction to an NLP technique. And if you're really serious about being into personal development, leading a company, understanding how your mind works is really important. So through Limitless CEO, I have an NLP practitioner training program on my website. That's something I teach. I work with my consulting and my coaching. It's a really deep, I can't really talk about it in the podcast. Then a level deeper on that is your values. So if you act out of accordance with your values, you will once again self-sabotage yourself. One of my friends, he used to be a roommate starting his first business. Number one value when I asked him what's important to you with a business that you start, he listed 20 things, then we ranked the top five. Number one was it had to help people with their health. So when he was trying to start an affiliate business that was not related to health, he kept holding himself back, procrastinating, self-sabotaging himself. So number one, we could use NLP to realign those values through a um, visualization process. Or number two, we could realign his business to match his values. And these are one of his deepest drivers of human behavior. So when he switched topics to a health business, he had more motivation, he's doing much better, and he's happier in the process, and things flow effortlessly. So beliefs, values, and the deepest core is your identity. So if you ask anyone who's been in the military, let's say you're in the Marines, they have the identity of being a Marine. So deep down, your identity is really feeling and being that at the deepest level. Where a lot of people who are first-time entrepreneurs, they're working jobs, and they try to build a business on the side. They have that identity of being an employee and trying to become an entrepreneur. Where in personal development, it's called being, doing, and having. So first, really 
feel with the essence of your body and act as if you're already the CEO, self-employed entrepreneur that's just working a job on the side to pay the expenses and the bills and fund your new venture as you're building it up. Just like Elon Musk, if he goes broke and you see him working at a Taco Bell drive-thru, he's still the billionaire CEO, founder of a company that's just doing something on the side. It's not who he is. So it's really hard to experience this unless you experience it for yourself. But when your identity is that of a leader, and in this instance, for me, it's the CEO that's managing an organization versus being a solopreneur, which I've been in the past, that's the shift I'm going through right now. So when I take on an identity, I have the values, the beliefs, the actions, and the behaviors that are aligned with it. And that's like a fast track to personal and professional development. So number nine is the inner game with your beliefs, your values, and your identity, where you can visit LimitlessCEO.com for more about the limiting beliefs, values, and the NLP training. Then number 10 is something I want you to think about yourself in your life, where whether you were the leader and something was very effective, or you were the follower and you had an an employer, a boss, or someone who was not effective or he was effective or she, that you want to understand what character traits really made them successful. So I had one employer in the past where he had a lot of anger issues when I was working at that pizza place. And if I got back two minutes late from a delivery, is a really toxic environment with high turnaround and people didn't want to work there anymore. And eventually he went out of business. So really think about leaders versus bosses. Another example, I was watching a YouTube video. It was one of those police body cam footages of a police shooting where the sergeant, the guy in charge of the shift, he got shot by the suspect in the leg. But even after he got shot, he kept his head cool. He let his team in with the shield to apprehend the suspect and nobody else got injured in the process. He's a true leader and not just a boss. So live it with yourself, start through professional development. And to recap these 10 points, number one, inspiring vision number two organization and breaking things down into specific tasks number three motivation and accountability being able to set specific tasks to specific people for deadlines number four is decisiveness where if nobody else is going to lead you you're going to have to lead yourself and if you don't lead yourself nobody else will do it for you number five is communication skills management skills showing empathy and knowing how to communicate with people so the three-part storytelling sequence pace or situation on a third-party character, your desired call to action, then the successful outcome. It's a more unconscious way of communicating. Number six is confidence. Are you the type of person people would want to follow into the Amazonian rainforest? Do you exude that confidence in the venture that you're planning? Number seven, dealing with risk, failure, and adversity. Take calculated risks without being out of control. Number eight, your professional development, getting your things together, identifying habits and changing them. And number nine is the inner game with the beliefs, values, identity, the neuro-linguistic programming, and really becoming the best version of yourself. The number 10 is recognizing these traits in people you've interacted with in the past and really encompassing yourself. So to be clear, I have experienced some of these for myself in the past. Some of these are things I'm working through right now. And a lot of these limitless CEO strategy sessions are me really talking things out of my own mind. So I'm learning alongside with you. And really, I'd just like you to follow my progress building my new business on this channel. So if you liked it, subscribe to this channel. And if you want to learn more, I'm going to write a quick ebook and a free resources section on LimitlessCEO.com. I'll start up a website as resources to help other business owners. And if you'd like to work together on a professional level, then contact me at LimitlessCEO.com and subscribe to this channel. And I'll see you in the next one.